Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, it's Hugh Ballou, and this is the Nonprofit Exchange. Each week we interview somebody who's been there, done it, somebody that helps others to do it. We have uh, experts in the field that teach us business principles. Today, we have a business person who has dreamed about uh, an opportunity to launch a nonprofit and actually made it happen. So today we have Jim Hardwick. And Jim, tell people a little bit about who you are and why you're doing this project. And you can tell them a little bit about your project. Wonderful, Hugh, and thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be a part of this. My name's Jim Hardwick. I live in Phoenix, Arizona uh, with my wife, Jody. And it's important I include her. We've been married for 36 years and she's my other half. And sorry, she can't be here today because she's a very, we're a team effort in this. And um, she's a dental hygienist. So that's gonna even be more relevant to my story. And I have been leading sales organizations for um, 20 plus years, the VP of sales and been in sales for 30 plus years. And now I do that um, as a consultant in my own business. But um, what transpired a few years ago is we had a friend that went to Africa and she went on a safari and she said, oh, you have to go on a safari, you have to go. And, and Jody and I was never on our bucket list. We could, it just wasn't, you know, the big animals, Africa never was appealing. And so after two years of contemplating this, we, she finally talked us into going. And we went to Kenya. We went to the Masamara, which is connected to the Serengeti. And 40% of all the large animals in Africa are in this region. And we went down there and we absolutely fell in love with the people. And um, we, because of our connections with this uh, base camp that we were staying at, we toured a school and we toured a medical clinic. And I was standing there at the medical clinic and I looked at one of our guys, his name's Derek. Of course, that's not his, his African name, but they use that easier, easier names for us tourist folks. And I said, we're in a medical clinic. And I said, Derek, do they ever bring dental teams back here? And he goes, no, we never really have a dental team come through here. And I said, is there a need? And he said, yeah, I got a cavity right there. And so I stood there, my wife wasn't too far away from me. And I stood there and she, she knew what was coming next. In my mind, I thought, I'm bringing a dental team back. Well, I went back that night and we went to our tent and I said, Jody, I have a dream, a vision to bring a dental team back to uh, Kenya and work with these people. Would you come alongside me and do this? And she said, yeah, let's, let's investigate it and do it. Here's, here's the, the premise of taking it from A to B. Normally, and in my life, I will have to say, I would have stood there and said, let's take a dental team back to Africa, to Kenya, because you're in the warm, funny, and fuzzy, you're at that campsite moment and everything's beautiful. And you get back to the United States and the world takes over. Five years go by and you go, you know what? I never took that dental team to Kenya, but I have become very intentional in my life as I've gotten older. And when I think about things now, I do that. And if that matters, if I think about a friend, I reach out and call that friend. Life is getting shorter. And unfortunately this last year, 
we've seen uh, many friends and relatives pass. And so I value every day. So I, I decided that we are going to make this happen. And because of that commitment in 10 months, we took a dental team down to Kenya. We raised all our funds. We had to take all the equipment. There was no clinic for us just to show up on. We had to do all the paperwork, everything you need to do. We learned everything from scratch. We, we went out and did fundraising. And you also made the commitment that if the money wasn't going to come in, we were willing to step up and fund it because you can't say, oh, we're short $4,000. We're not going. So we took eight people down there, and in four days, we saw 192 patients and did 252 procedures. And it was so humbling. And my whole word that I use my business in, in this is about serving. And my goal is, and you're going to say your goals are pretty low, Jim, but my goal was to take one person out of pain. And we did that. And think about it in the United States. We spend, if you have a toothache, think how painful that is. These people live with toothaches and they're starting to eat candy because the tourists are giving them candy. And so their cavities are, are just cratering their molars and it's terrible. There was a ton of extractions that were done. And so um, I'll stop here if you, you got another question, but that's the premise of what we did. And I can tell stories about the people we took care of and how that happened. Yeah. Um pain. Men don't handle pain really well. <laughs> so I, I remember I was teaching an event in Vegas and I, I had this excruciating pain and I had my, my dentist cell phone. I called him up. He said, well, go to the drugstore. I can just tell me where to send the, then I, then I had to fly home and get there. But I, you know, it, it colors everything. So you went, your heart was touched. Um, we would put this under philanthropy, um, love for humankind. And, um, and uh, 100 people will have an idea. And in my experience, only three will do something about it. And only one out of seven of those will actually succeed. So that's a pretty, pretty rarefied space you're in. And, and so what it was, wasn't, you make it sound kind of easy. I'm sure it wasn't a slam dunk, let's go, we'll raise money. Hey, we got a nonprofit, we'll go. So what are some of the challenges and we're, we have all kinds of people um, listening to this, but some are thinking about launching a nonprofit. Some launched it and didn't put some of the pieces in place. Some launched it and guess what? During the pandemic, everything changed. So we're kind of rethinking how we launch. So what were some of the obstacles you faced and had to overcome? I think we didn't know what we didn't know, but I think the biggest thing is what's the end goal? And you got to keep your eye on the ball, right? What are you trying to accomplish, regardless of the hurdles, regardless of the mountains? Um, just knowing how to navigate and get into Kenya, understanding what that entails and what what that from a paperwork standpoint. To put to put it in perspective, and my wife is a saint, okay, and she is so organized. She spent hours and hours and hours getting the right paperwork, and she would she would um, go with down to the medical director down there. And he'd say, yeah, we'll send you the forms. Month would go by, no forms sent. We'll send you the forms um, two weeks to go by. Oh, they're in the mail. Or they're, we're going to email you. It didn't go by. It wasn't like we almost were ready to leave till the forms. 
just the frustration of having people have the sense of urgency that we have and beating your head on the wall because we've got an obligation to go there. Then we go there and it's one o'clock in the morning, we land. We're going through customs. We are 12 feet from the door to go to our hotel, which is only two hours away before we headed out for the Matsumara. And the custom official stops us. What? And he looks at our paperwork and he says, you have to pay tax on all your donated items. What? And we're going, what? You know, and my wife, you can see steam coming out of her because she has spent so much time going, you know, doing that. And, and so we don't know what that is. So we bring over um, this gal that had, had knew all the items that were donated. She threw out an arbitrary number. She said, um, 3,500. And we all went, 3,500. And the guy said, okay. So then you go into his office and I had to pay $600 for a tax. And here we are bringing all the supplies to help people in their country. But it's not atypical in a third world country that something's always going to come up like that. And my mindset is you just be prepared. And you can't let it get you. I think Jody spent 48 hours still frustrated about the situation. But you just do. You're prepared. Your mindset is this is how it works. You do it and you move on. It's those unknowns. Now we're going to be prepared. And we know it's, it's um, the hours and hours of work that nobody sees that goes behind that you're doing to get all this done, planning the travel, getting all the instrumentation, making sure the bags are packed. We took 27 pieces of, well, well bags down with us in order to make it all work. Um, it's that hard work and perseverance. It's funny now that, that we've established ourselves to a point and we know the routine and it's really easy for people to come up alongside us because, and that's not a fault. I mean, we're blessed that people want to work with us, you know, dentists and hygienists and assistants, and it's fantastic. They, what people don't see in any organization is all the hard work that goes beyond, be, behind that. And it's two or three people that do, probably in most organizations, I know churches, that's, it's that way. There's always a core people that do all the heavy lifting. And, you know, and then there's people that are willing to help. And if you ask them, but you have to stay the course, understand what your end game is. So um, you just went on a pleasure trip to Kenya on a safari and you had this experience and it touched your heart and you acted on it. So that was a, that was an obstacle in it. it you're, anybody's traveled and has to buy commodities in another country, know that there's a heavy tax, sometimes two, three, four hundred percent. Um, so a lot of the things we buy, cars or things like that, are 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 really expensive. It would seem like there could be an exception, but you'd have to go through some sort of uh, embassy or something for donated items. But you know, th that's a cost of doing business in, in another country. Um, we have our own issues here, but there, there are a lot of things that you learn at the last minute. Unfortunately, you had the ability to overcome that one. Um, so what are, before you went there, it was 10 months, that was pretty fast. So um, before you actually stepped on Kenyan soil with your, your project, um, what were some of the obstacles uh, over here? I mean, you filed for the, for the corporation, you filed with IRS for the exemption. So talk about the donor experience. How did you get seed money for this? Because this is like 
way out of the box for a lot of people. Why do we want to go to Kenya when we got people like behind me in Appalachia that has the same problems? So, you know, oh. <laughs> I'm sure you heard that. Oh, and I'm the guy. I'm the guy that used to say that. So <laughs> it's so funny you bring that. I'm the guy that never wanted to go to Africa. And it's like, why do we go to Africa, any other country, we have such a need here? And so, um, and that's what's, well, I'll tell you the reason I end up going to Africa is the beauty of the people. The people, they're, it's infectious. They're warm, their energy. The average income where we go is $1,000 a year. Let's put that in perspective. $1,000 a year. We, to clean one tooth in Africa, because they don't all have teeth, right? I mean, if there's not a whole set in some of the people, it's $15 a tooth. If they can get to a dentist, it's $75 for an extraction. So if you're making $1,000 a year and you've got four kids, cows, goats, and everything else, you think that's going to be a priority? No. And so you, you, the, the, it goes down to the hurdles. I came back and we raised our money through friends and family. We've got wonderful friends and family and we told our story and it's kind of hard, I think, or they had to trust who Jim and Jody were. That's I'm speaking in third person, but they had to trust who we are and what our core was because when you invest in a dream and a vision, that's different from when you're investing in something that's been out there and proven. Now we have a website, we have videos, we have um, magazines we've been in, all talk about what we've done. And it's, it's going to be different to raise funds in the future. But we were blessed in so many ways by people coming alongside us saying, I support your mission. In some cases, Hugh, I think it's easier for people to want to give to people they know instead of some huge organization where in today's world, they're not always sure where that money is going to. And if they, they got behind us and they were able to, uh, to know what our, where our hearts were and what we're going to do. I've got to tell you an interesting story. So we sent out a letter explaining our, 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 what we were trying to accomplish. And I get this email back from this gentleman. He says, Jim, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but there is a need here in our community for dental care. And why are you going all the, Af all the way to Africa? I think your intentions are in the wrong place. Um, typically, I look at that kind of stuff. I got thick skin, and I just kind of I don't need to address that. You're not always going to have fans. I get it. My wife, I, I, she sent it, he sent it to my wife, too, and I immediately said, don't respond. But I said, okay, and this guy's a friend. And so I said, it's my time to educate and learn. So I, I did a quick search for Phoenix. There's 12 free clinics in Phoenix. Across the street from where we live, a dental organization comes there and will see 600 children on a weekend. There's all types of places to get free dental care in this area where we live. That's not the case over in Kenya. They don't get free dental care. So all you, the reality in the United States is if you seek it out and have the means to go find it, you typically find stuff that are given for free. And I know it's not that way every single place. But, and so I, I educated this gentleman and I said, you know, if you prefer to donate to those organizations, please do. I'm sure they would love to take your money because it's also for a very good cause. We have a belief that we give globally, nationally, and locally. And again, I go back to we've been blessed 
and it's it's a way that we feel we can serve and just the experience of meeting friends that have become dear dear friends for us in africa um i would say a, a sidebar story um base camp um puts us up base camp explorers puts us up and um, it's a beautiful situation because they help with the room and board so we're able to cut down the cost their head waiter that we've gotten to know um, just a wonderful young man he's got three children eight five and three a seven month old um, his wife was seven months pregnant and she just passed away last sunday um, that's the tragic that happens it could happen anywhere but those are the type of friends that we've established and that breaks our heart you know it breaks our heart and he's already he's lived in a village and he's already um helping with his grand his mother and father but now those kids don't have a mom and he's only got one wife which is the older generation will have many many wives so it's not like there's other wives that can step up it's funny i say that but that's their culture um but those are the kind of lifelong friends and relationship we have already built and that touches us tremendously wow that's there's just so many things to think about. So um, friends and family round. Um, how many years have you been doing this? We've only done it once. And I have to tell you, we were supposed to go this year and COVID hit. Now we're going to be going February of 22. So um, they, of course, want us back. And we're, we're ready to go back. And we've already got um, started buying supplies and those sort of things. But COVID has put a interesting twist on the world. Kenya is a microcosm, which is fascinating because they've had very few cases of COVID and scientists have gone down, try to understand in the cases they have, have been asymptomatic. So it has not been rampant at all in Kenya. So they're going to make sure that you're healthy when you come in. Oh, absolutely. So you, you mentioned Base Camp Explorer. Say a little more about that. I don't, I don't know that organization. Yeah, Base Camp Explorer started about 20 years ago. And a gentleman out of Norway, his first name is Skeen, he went to um, one of the Maasai leaders and he said, how can we lift up your people with jobs and education and help with animal tourism? And they got together. And one of the things that were hap was happening is the Kenya government was leasing 10-acre parcels of land or giving 10 acre parcels of land to the men of the village. Well, their commerce are goats and sheep and cattle, cows. What do you do? You put fences up. You start putting fences up all over the Masamara area. You stop the migration of the big animals. You stop the migration of the animals, tourism goes away. And so what they did was they were able to raise funds and through grants of the United States and Norway, and um, the base camps, um, base camp explorer um, was is able to fund this too. They lease the land back from the uh, the villagers, and then they take down their fences. And they've done like two hundred sixty thousand acres or something. It's just astronomical of how much land they've leased. And now the migration continues. So base camp has is on the right on the outskirts of the national forest or national Masamara there, and then. They also have three other sites that um, they call them conservancies, which are lots of acres and they, they have camps on there too. Their only employees are Maasai. They're just building a college for 
um, tour guides, which is a coveted position because these guys can make a nice living. They have a school and they build a medical clinic. So think of it as a three-pronged approach. You've got tourism, animal tourism, which saves the animals with taking down the fences. You've got jobs for the Maasai and you've got education. And it's, it's tremendous, it's tremendous. And the, they've been in business for 20 years. The last three or four years, they were in the black. They became profitable. Of course, it was very tragic with COVID, right when they're, I mean, base camp's just going great. And with COVID hit, it really has hurt their business, of course, but they were able to raise funds. Um, some of the lease payments have been, um, they're taking less money. They've had to furlough people, but they're open again. People from Europe are starting to come in. And so that's, it's a, it's a wonderful story. Because of that connection, we have, I have um, relationships with some of those people down there. They, they put us up with room and board. And so it's, it's very, very nice. The other thing, which is a really nice perk, the people that get to go down there with us, they get two and a half days of safari. So it would be horrible to go down and just do all this mission, not mission work, dental work, and then not to go out and go on safari because it's, it's pretty magnificent. Um, it's, it's really wonderful. So this is the traditional safaris that we see all the time in the movies and pictures. Oh yeah. Yeah, you got lions that are within five feet walking by you. And um, Jody, my wife said, well, they don't look very um, dangerous. <laughs> I said, honey, why don't you jump out and start running and let's see how that goes. That's right. No, no. They're used to the Jeep, so they don't see people. They just see objects. But it's it's pretty powerful when you're able to drive up on a huge pond and there's 20 hippopotamuses in there just, you know, bathing in the mud water and it's, it's surreal and it's, it's fantastic. It's like um, Bush Gardens without the fences. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, I, so some of the obstacles startups have, um, there's a number of obstacles, you know, getting your concept clear so that you can get the tax exempt approval from IRS, um, getting board members on board that actually do things and then raise funds and, you know, people would say, I think listening to this, oh, he's a salesman. He knows how to raise money. So talk about meeting any one of those three challenges. Okay. If you have, and I, I say this to business owners too, I, I talk to CEOs and they say, I'm not a salesperson. Let, let me set the record straight. If you have passion, if you believe in what you're doing, you're the best salesperson. I don't care if you're an introvert or if you're an extrovert. If you believe in your cause and you believe in your mission, you should be able to tell that story with conviction, with emotion, and from the heart. And all you're doing is if you're asking for money, the worst thing somebody's going to say to you is, no, or not at this time. But if you don't ask, you're not going to be able to follow what you're trying to accomplish. And guess what? If they believe in your story, which is in your heart, they will donate. And I look at it as if they give me a quarter, if they give me $500, it all goes to help. And so please, I implore people, don't ever say, I can't sell. It's not about selling. It's about telling your story. And it's very, very powerful. 
And so people that are listening to this, please understand that's that's the beauty about what you do. Um, we'll have some people ask questions in a minute, but uh, one of them is a professional, has been, had a career of professional fundraising. And from and I'm not, but from my perspective, and you said you teach business owners. Well, nonprofits are a business. So we need, to put our, we need to put our business hat on. We need to create streams of revenue and set of profits, we have proceeds that go into the project and help us grow the project. But really, instead of uh, approaching somebody from uh, looking needy, oh, please help me, it's re which is probably uh, repels money. It's the, the perspective I take when I call up somebody and say, here's a project I'm doing and you have an opportunity to support this. So we're actually giving people an opportunity to exercise their passion in multiple ways, especially the board, they're supporters of their time, talent, and their money. And so um, I think it's it's the perspective that, that we show up in, is it the attitude? And then what is it, how we're presenting ourselves? Give us give us a professional, you started that. So tell me if I'm on track as, as a professional sales trainer. Well, I think you're exactly right. It's It is your attitude, it's your mindset. And a lot of people don't want to feel rejection. Oh, my gosh, they're going to say no. No, they're not. Not if you ask with conviction, like I said earlier. The other thing is, there's a lot of people out there, they don't want to serve. But they're more than willing to give and support. Not, there's not a lot of people, well, there's a lot of people, but many people don't want to get on a plane for 18 hours and then go in the, you know, into uh, six hours from Nairobi, which is a city, and do dental work, but guess what? They will, they're more than willing to help support that effort through volunteering to help at the beginning, you know, we're getting supplies. They're more than willing to give financially. Give them the opportunity to serve in the way that they can serve. Everybody feels differently on how they serve. And there's a lot of people just, they, they might have a lot of money for heaven's sakes and they, they want to give. They're blessed and they know by giving and serving. So you have to, if you're not, if you don't feel comfortable with that and asking for money, find somebody that is. Find somebody that you can mirror that can come alongside you and be your spokesman. It could be your son, your daughter. It could be your best friend. And they just have a knack for that. So don't hesitate to reach out to those people and, and ask them to come alongside you because it can be very powerful and you can learn. The more you see it, pretty soon you go, well, that was easy. And then you just build the confidence. A lot of people get nervous because they don't have that confidence. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, you said um, the worst thing that can happen is they could say no. Well, let me add to that. It, you didn't have the money before. So if they say no, you still don't have it. So the least you had a chance of, of them writing you some sort of check. And, I, you know, I've seen examples where people have um, said no, but I've kept them on the list about what's really happened and the effect and the impact that it's had on people's lives. And then the next thing I know, they're saying, okay, it's on my heart to give some money. So a no isn't always a hard no. Well, and that's the way in business too. I say so much of business, it's about timing. In timing, if the customer is not ready to give, 
or if the person's not ready to support you in your project, then you just hit the nail on the head, Hugh. It's about timing. And they might have that on their heart in six months from now. It just keeps resonating and it sets there. And pretty soon, like you said, you get the call. If people don't know you exist, if people don't know there's a need, they're not going to come knock on your door. You have to be able to tell your story. And if, you, if you're going to spend time and you believe in your project, the story is easy. Role play. I will encourage people to role play. Don't just go cold. Role playing is powerful. Everybody hates it, especially in business. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. If you've ever been in a role playing situation and you're in front of your peers, people, even professional senior executives, they get all flustered and they get all, but it's a powerful thing to do. And if you're not comfortable with, with fundraising, do some role playing, find a mentor. There's a lot of people that can help you and then just go do it. And every time you do it, you're going to get better and better. And then you're going to be an expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get better. It's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect. Practice makes perfect. So you get better toward it. We're going to stop for a minute, pause for a minute and uh, do a sponsor moment. We're able to provide uh, services from the Center Vision Leadership Foundation um, like this, free of charge, for educating nonprofit leaders and encouraging nonprofit leaders with stories from other people. And one of our sponsors is called Easy Card. Uh, we have a virtual card and you can get it for your cell phone. Uh, if you send a text, five digits, six four six zero zero six four six zero zero and then in the message you put three letters l d r very short truncated version of leader l d r to six four six zero zero and then you get a link back you click on the link and you'll have something full website on your card and it's nothing to download it's going to be there and if we change something it'll be changed so everything about the work of center vision leadership foundation and then if we have something special, something to educate you with, like a special nonprofit exchange, we'll send a text out, say, be here, because this is something of value to you. And if you look down here, nonprofit exchange videos, uh, there's the whole, there's the whole, there's, look at there, Hardwick Dental Teams, and you click on the, the title, and there it is, today's session with us on the video, and you see me showing you this, this card, so it's like looking in the, the mirror the hall of mirrors so center vision and i use my card for my board and i can send texts out hey remember there's a board meeting tomorrow or volunteers we're gathering for a project on saturday remember it's at 10 o'clock and here's where it is people are busy and they really appreciate cutting through all the clamor of email getting a simple text and it's it's a it's a relationship builder it's a donor management system because you can stay in touch with your donors let them know what's happening to the money that they gave you to do the project. So easy card. And then on there, there's a tab, have get your own easy card. So I recommend it's, it's another way to keep people informed what's going on and to stay in touch. They can email you, call you just by pushing a button. So Jim, there's just a whole lot of moving parts with how did, what kind of stuff do you have to take? How do you set it up? How do you prepare for it? But I, I want to go back to, um, you did something that was out of your, your experience and out of your discipline and you set up a nonprofit, but you do have a, a sense of business. So I, I, we, we educate 
nonprofit leaders and clergy and, and Center Vision Leadership Foundation to embrace good, sound business principles because it is a tax-exempt business with a lot more rules than a business. But we also say to people, you got an idea, then equip yourself to make it happen. And so you've demonstrated a whole lot of uh, very effective leadership skills in getting this done. You didn't know how, but you figured it out. You also didn't see failure as an option. <laughs> so there's, there's a certain amount of determination. So talk for people listening, uh, they're, they're loving this and I'm sure there's people, we'll, we'll put your email on the interview page. I've got it and I've got the website on there. Um, and I'll talk about it before we, we end. But if people said to you, what kind of skills do I need to learn to take my idea into reality? What would you say to them? How, what skills did you use and what skills did you have to learn? You need to be willing to ask questions. There's people that have come before you have done this. Seek them out. Find that mentor. I started, you know, how do you, how do you do a 401c or whatever? How do you set up a corporation? There's, you, just, you just start asking people that have done it before you, and then they'll give you the answers. People like to support and lift up others. Um, surround yourself, and I, I keep saying this, but surround yourself with people you can trust, people you can, you can lean on for questions, answers. Um, when we first started in this, um, Jody, who's a hygienist, 36 years, um, she was reaching out to people. She read a book on a guy that had done a lot of work in, in Kenya. She reached out to people that do dental work in Africa. We educate ourselves on people from past experiences. The difference, I think, that we, that we did, maybe you call it ignorance, but this is where we wanted to go. Most people are going to take a dental team down there and walk into a dental clinic that has been built and do the work. No, we... we <laughs> I guess we weren't that smart, Hugh. We said, there are no dental clinics. Let's take everything with us. <laughs> We're just nuts. I mean, we took chairs and instruments, and we had to rent uh, generators and compressors when we were down there. But I think sometimes not knowing what you don't know, if you don't let that scare you and take you off track, it's kind of exciting and fun. You have to have that spirit. And it's what I keep saying. You have to know what your end goal is. So we, through reading, through calling people, through having discussions of what works, understanding what we need to power for the dental chairs, what kind of compressors we need. What I don't know that kind of stuff. You can sure learn it. And we, and am I an expert? Nope. So that's why we hired a guy that was there for five days with us, which wasn't a lot of money to make sure we brought, brought him out of Nairobi to make sure it, we keep going. Because if you don't have your drills worked in, if you don't have the hand pieces working, you're doing it, then you're struggling. But it's, it's perseverance. Yeah, you need electricity unless you're going back to some of the old W.C. Fields, his movie on the dentist. He's, I think he's got a, hand, a foot pump to keep his drill going. <laughs> Yes, that's not what you want to be doing down there. So we've we've come a long way. So you really had to set up shop in the middle of nowhere and make it work. Not only that, I'll tell you how, 
I'm not sure this was the wisest decision. So the first day we went down there, we set up actually in a tent um, and we handled the employees and family members of the Maasai, uh, of the base camp. Um, and they have like 300 employees. And so they came from all over and we took care of them. Then in my infinite wisdom, we said, okay, we'll tear down and then we'll take the whole setup and take it to Talik, which is a town a mile away, and we'll set up in the medical clinic, the center block room. So, Hugh, we tore the whole clinic down, took it over a mile away outside of base camp, set it up in a medical building, and reestablished the whole clinic, and we were seeing patients the next morning at 8 o'clock. That's just nuts. <laughs> it's, you know, we were tired, and... And the, the clinicians were amazing. No complaints, no issues. They did amazing dental work. And it's, it's just so empowering to watch those people. So we're going to uh, see if folks uh, on, on, the, um, on the webinar parts of this have some questions. I don't see any on Facebook yet. Um, but before I do that, um, talk a little bit about the impact on the Maasai people and then we'll have two questions and I'll come back and ask about what you think the impact could be in the future. But what so far has been the impact? The impact is, well, when we said we wanted to come down at first, some of the key leaders down there said, no, we've had a dental team down there. Um, and they were, they had come down and they left people in a lot of, um, there was infections that happened and they just did not do the, the proper job. And so they were very skeptical of what we were, are we coming down there just to, to play and see a safari and maybe do some dental work or really did we have the intentions of helping? And we made a huge impact of taking people out of pain. Let me give you um, two stories if I could. Um, I was triaging out front. So I'm the guy with all the, the tickets giving people, you're getting a cleaning, you're getting extraction or you're getting a um, filling. And people say, well, you're not a dentist or you don't know about dental care. You can tell if they need an extraction. It's pretty obvious. And if you get our website, you're going to see some bummed out teeth. But we're, we're into our third day and it's about one in the afternoon. And we've got people that have been sitting there for hours lined up waiting. And it's not like you come in and get a shot. I mean, it takes 30 minutes, 40 minutes to see a patient. And this, uh, this guy brings up this guy and ends up, I find out he's a teacher. And he tells me he's got a student that's supposed to take her national exams um, in two days. And she's in such dental pain, she cannot, she can't study. And so I said, we don't have room. We, you know, and he goes, no, she, she's really, really in pain. Of course, your heart just crushes. And I said, let me, let me see her. So I go around the corner and I, I she's about 13 years old and they all wear school uniforms. And they all shave their head because of lice. Um, and so I asked her, I said, you know, open your mouth, please. She opens her mouth and you can see her tooth is bombed out. And then she puts her head back on the wall of the building and she's tears are just running down her eyes. It's so much pain. And so I said to her, hang on. And I got her in within 30 minutes, just because I was, fortunately I was in charge <laughs> to see what, but I broke the line and nobody complained. And they didn't really know what was happening, but she needed dental care. I mean, she was in dire pain. And so we were able to take care of her and then she could go on. 
And the thing that was great about this was not so much that, you know, I was able to break the line. It's that teacher had that compassion and we were there at the right time at the right place to take her out of pain. I don't know what would have happened if we weren't there. She would have failed her exams. She would have been laying at home just waiting for her tooth to go numb. Who knows? So we've all been through dental pain. And another quick story is this young gal. She actually was a gave massages at one of the at one of the base camps. She had this big black cavity on the front of her tooth. We don't see a lot of that in the United States, but it's she wouldn't smile. For the last three years, she hadn't smiled. And, and they fixed her tooth and they put, they cleaned it out and then they put some bonding on. I can't tell you the technical terms, but um, they were finished and they got done and they showed her the mirror. And her smile was as big as a yardstick. It was just tremendous. And she said, and this is what, what's fun is she goes, it's a blessing from God. This is a miracle. It was the self-esteem that she was so conscientious about the black on her tooth that she had lost confidence. She wouldn't smile. And she was a lovely, lovely young lady. And we saw her. We actually went to her camp a couple of days later. She just gave Jody the biggest hug. And they just hugged and hugged and hugged. And it was just, that's the impact you make. And I got 20, 30, 50 of those stories, right, um, that you make an impact in there. They're just clamoring. They want us back. We, we Jody's in touch with these people. I don't have Facebook. Through Facebook, constantly, and um, they're asking, "When are you coming back? When are you coming back?" So that's the impact you make. I love it. It's a lasting impact. So if you're willing, I'll let some folks ask some questions. So uh, Bob's got his hand up. Uh, Bob, you can. Uh, you're unmuted. So Bob is. Uh, um, dear friend, and he's been on the show almost a year ago, and he's our author of Philanthropy Misunderstood, a priceless book everybody everybody should have on their coffee table. So he knows philanthropy. He's taught me a lot about philanthropy. Bob, thanks for being here. Do you you have a hand up? Do you have a question or comment? For yeah, um, I do. Can, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Well, listen, um, I'm uh, on my phone, so I'm not able to see you, but I was watching Jim for a while. Jim, congratulations. I think what you do is amazing. Um, I know that there's lots of folks in the United States who go out and around the world. And I think we're known as Americans as helping other people. Have you ever thought about maybe your next trip since you've only done it once, uh, actually including Dennis from Africa or from the country that you're in to join you? in order to transfer the feeling of doing something philanthropic for, to them so that they could do the same thing when we're gone. Um, I'm just wondering about dentists and doctors in other countries. Do they ever feel like they need to give back to their own people? Bob, great question. And my answer is, we haven't. Our answer is, we sure are now. I love that idea, Jody. And our our dream is, and we just had a discussion with this gentleman last week. Was uh, we want to build a dental clinic, and um, we want to raise up. We've been told by the local government that they could put a person in the clinic for us, a dentist. My dream is to raise up a Maasai, send them to dental school, so they come back and take care of their own. But there is a dental college there in Nairobi, and. I, I just think that's a 
great idea. And we'll reach out to that college and say, hey, we're coming at such and such a date. Is there anybody that would like to participate alongside us while we're there for four days? I love that idea. Thank you. Right. Well, I would love to uh, get in touch. I'd love to be on one of your trips. I've thought about this for a long time. I've taken students around the, on different, three different major uh, trips, one to Haiti, one to, to Mexico, and one to Bangladesh to teach the college students there about doing things for their own country instead of us just coming over and trying to fix things for each of the countries to actually have teach them how to do it themselves. And it's, yeah. and you know what, they get it. They, they, they learn it fast and they want to help and they want to do things. It's just a matter of somebody like you, you know, influencing them on, you know what, you can do this too, because this is really a lot of fun. And I think it's a great idea too. So anyway, I want to be involved somehow. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's get in touch, but thank you. Uh, I can't wait to tell Jody and I that idea because I think that's fantastic. I love it. I'll make sure you're connected. And Jim, you put your email into the form. Uh, may I put it on the podcast page for people to contact you? Yeah, please. Yeah, it's uh, Bob. That was great. Bob is uh, is a great example on uh, living out philanthropy. So it's um, hardwickdentalteams.org, and that's on the site too. Hardwick, H-A-R-D. W-I-C-K, dental teams, teams plural, dot O-R-G is your, your website. And then it's Jay Hardwick at sales acceleration, which is your company.com. But they can find you. And um, let's see, anybody else have a question? Uh, John or Sandy, do you have a question or comment for our guest today? Uh, I have more to talk about, but I wanted to give people a chance. Uh, so Bob, thank you so much. Bob's a, a great influencer and he's been out and influenced. I can't tell you how many people um, in his lifetime. So uh, thank you for being here today. So you, if I could say real quick, John Parker, who you see his name up there, he yeah. is our, our main contact with Basecamp. And he is out of Colorado, just an amazing man that has supported us and helped us with the dream to go down there. And he's just a fantastic individual and he's, He's like our right-hand person when it comes to taking these trips. He initially, when he, because he he does the foundation here for Basecamp in the United States. And initially, when he came to the, the leadership at Basecamp and said we have this this idea, they're like, uh, and he pushed it and pushed it, and they accepted it, and um, here we are today. And now, you know, all the way to the point where Jody and I want to build a dental clinic for these this group of people. So, and we also said, and this is premature, but we've called it part of dental teams, because who knows where we could end up someday. You know, we, we've got the formula and there might be, we could go to Cambodia, we could go to Mexico. There's all kinds of places because we know, and we've got a, a huge amount of dentists we know we can, we can lean on and also hygienists. So we've got the people, we just don't know where all this will go someday. That's a great vision. Um, <clears throat> John, you're welcome to say hello. You can unmute and get you able to talk if you want to. Um, so um, let's talk about ongoing and, you know, there's other collaborations. You've got worldwide organizations, that, you know, to, to get some more infrastructure um, and some more connections. Um, <clears throat> there's got to be Rotaries in, in Kenya and Rotaries International. If you connect with a Rotary Club, there's, there's also Rotary Foundation support and churches like United Methodist Church have conferences in Africa and they have support teams and, you know, they would certainly love to connect with a worthwhile project, I'm sure. 
So um, do you need um, do you need special permission visas, whatever, when you do an offshore mission like this, you have to work through an embassy and gets permission to do this? You have to, well, the tenants do. They have to give their license and their licensures and show that they're qualified. Nobody else does. It's just the dentist. The, the other trick is for flights over, if you say you're dating people that have done this, no, a, a philanthropy type project, they enabled us to take um, three pieces of luggage, each, each piece up to $50 at no charge. And that's huge. Because you know what the what just American Airlines or Delta charges per bag, and when you got as many bags as we had, so they will work with you. Those flights are they go fast. So if you're going to plan a trip, you got to plan early. Again, we didn't know this, but you learn this because you call the the lady that we got her name from that does a lot of trips for mission types trips overseas, and now you find out. And so I'm sharing that little trick or tidbit if you have a lot of equipment to take you want to go on that type of flight so what um what type of flight is that again well it's just delta and it was a with delta and it's um philanthropy type of of, of flight you know saying you're going over there to do that type of work you can call it mission work you can call it whatever you want to call it and tell them what your goal is and they enable you to take all that luggage so you're, you pulled off this vision and I hear you telling me that there's even potential bigger vision and a legacy that you could establish. I think any of us that start a nonprofit want to think about how we're going to keep it going after we're no longer doing it and creating a legacy. So that's, uh, we have no succession plan. We have no legacy plan. That's, that's part of right now we're trying to survive in this, this strange economy, but some nonprofits are doing quite well because they've pivoted to a new way of talking about what they do and made a win-win a presentation to the supporters with time, talent, and money and not been afraid to say, look, it's important. You put your money here. So what's, what do you think um, you started having impact and you got tons of stories. What is your vision on how this kind of work will impact the Maasai people long-term? Great question. I, I probably haven't reflected on that, but they, um, they're very thankful. They're very um, appreciative of the impact we make or we made and will make, continue to make. Um, and that doesn't go unnoticed. Um, when you don't have anything and somebody comes alongside you um, and lifts you up, speaks life, takes care of your pain, I know that makes an impact on me when somebody does it to me by t reaching out and showing in not all these Maasai are familiar. You know, the guys in the base camp see tourists all the time, but when we go out into the town and these little kids and all, and we're touching them and reaching out. And um, I hope that they realize and the impact I want is we're just all the same. We live in different countries. We have different color of skin, but it doesn't matter. And if I could bottle up, the spirit and the power and the the, um, the feeling that these, I would say it's pretty prevalent around Africa from everybody we've touched, it's infectious. They don't complain. They don't, you know, we complain about everything. 
we complain our sour dressing's not right. Waiter, take it back. Or my computer's slow. Or the guy just, you know, get off my tail. Or I can't believe he cut in front of me. Oh, my Lord. All we do is complain. And you go over there. These people have nothing. And they're smiling. And the kids are running around in the dirt and laughing. And dogs are chasing them. And, and I'm being philosophical here. And I don't want to get emotional. But... It makes it's it's selfishly it impacts the people like me and that's an impact also that you when you give it changes your life for the people that do get to give which is a very humbling experience and so it's a long answer to your short question but I think it's showing that we're just one global people that we're just all trying to help each other and lift each other up if everybody could feel that that way we'd have a lot different world wouldn't we I mean, come on, it's very basic. Most people just want to live life, feel good about themselves, have wonderful family and be able to put food on the table. That's what it all boils down to. And if we can help in any way or anybody can help, which there's hundreds and thousands of people that help every day, then we've made a difference. And I, I'll tell you, Hugh, I read a book called Halftime about 10 years ago. And it's about in the second half of your life, how to live a life of significance. And I've really been searching, searching that out. How can I make a difference in other people's lives? And I think with support of Jody and we're such a great team, I'm able to do that now. And I feel like I'm making a life of significance. I'm giving back. Um, it's, just, it's just a real honor and a joy to be able to do that for people. And rallying, circling back to your, when you were talking earlier in the interview about being able to make a money pitch, um, all of us running on private get hung up, not you, but us, the rest of us get hung up asking for money and what you just defined there's there's a reward when people give there's a fulfillment there's a satisfaction there's a joy with that and my wife and i are at a place we can support several charities with our donations and it it, it is a good thing to do and you you don't give until it hurts you give until it feels good and what you now do is tell people what happened with their donation which many of us don't do Let's tell them what happened and continue to keep them informed so they will continue uh, supporting the work that you're doing. And it's going to have, I bet you things will happen. You never, you didn't perceive what's going to happen so far. So I'm sure there will be some doors open for you. I'm going to take another sponsor moment and then uh, I'll come back. And if you want to leave a, a parting thought, a challenge for somebody that's starting up or trying to grow or any of your themes, if you, what, what do you want to leave people with? Um, I want to talk about our magazine, Nonprofit uh, Performance 360 magazine. Here's a guy that had an idea. Make a wish, Frank Shankowitz, Make a Wish Foundation. I think he was out in uh, Phoenix when he started as a motorcycle policeman. And, and so uh, he wasn't, wasn't a nonprofit guy. He was a motorcycle cop. And so um, WordSprint, Prince Air Magazine mails it. But WordSprint has sent two and a half million mailings in 20 years and they know why donors donate it's about putting something in their hand and they recognize the value of it and it's it's this 30 percent is the frequency of the message the rhythm of it and not every day not every month maybe maybe once a month maybe once a quarter but there's a regularity to the communications so it's the right rhythm the right person and the right message we're not always asking for money we're telling people what's happened and what impact we've had on people's lives. So 30, 30, 30, 10% that's left is about the appearance, not too fancy because it has a negative effect, but something that looks decent. 
and elegant. And so Bill Gilmer and his staff at WordSprint, WordSprint, S-P-R-I-N-T.com, um, would be happy to share some of that research with you and offer you free consultation, whether you use their service or not. But over a year from then forward, people, people every single nonprofit sees an, an increase in their giving because they've stayed in touch and, and continued with the relationship building. So Jim, this has been uh, so inspiring today. Uh, I don't think all of us want to go do dental work in Kenya, but there's something in our heart that we can do. And it's been an inspiration for me and, and educational. What thought or challenge or tip do you want to leave people with today? Well, I will say this. If you think about it, be intentional. Be intentional in everything you do in your life. Um, I've really taken that mantra on. And if I get an inkling to reach out, I reach out. If I feel like I need to send somebody an email, I do that. I wasn't like that a few years ago. Business took over my life and I was working nonstop and you would think about something it would just go on. Now they take the time to make that connection. I think that's very, very important. Um, people, when you, there's a reason why that person's popped in your mind. They need something. They're, they need help. They need somebody to come alongside them. It doesn't have to be a global project. It's just reaching out to help that other person. That's my, my wisdom I can impart for you for 2021, especially in the kind of world we're in right now. And lastly is, I love to serve. I love, and my give is, if anybody has a question, if anybody um, wants to talk, call me. I give free advice all day long. And I love that. If I can help you in any way, I'm here to help. So don't hesitate to reach out. I'm here. Jim, Jim Hardwick, this has been great. And your email is on the the interview page, you can find it at the, T-H-E, the nonprofitexchange.org. It'll take you to that page on Center Vision. And if you're listening to this a year or so from now, this is the first part of 2021, then click on previous videos. There's archives and you can find, you can find this Hardwick uh, dental team. So Jim, um, you're a blessing to many people in many ways. Thank you for spending time with us on the nonprofit exchange today. Thank you, Hugh. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.